The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. You said what you're feeling is juicy joy, juicy joy. Hey, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. You are so deserving of all the joy and juiciness you can stand. I'm Lisa McCourt of Joy School, and this is Do Joy, the Vibration Elevation Podcast. Let's do some joy. Hi there, beautiful joy-making listeners. I am so happy to be back with you today. I hope your home play has been extra meaningful for you this week. I'm so grateful to those of you who have been sharing that with me. I'm still sending out free books to everyone who shoots me a message about their experiences with the joy practices that we're doing. Some of you are already lined up to have your words printed in my upcoming book, A Year of Joy, 12 Months of Shedding Everything You're Not to Uncover the Bliss You Are. So enrollment is also now open for the Year of Joy program. We'd love to welcome you. And all that information, of course, is at lisamccourt.com. And I wanted to mention that this is a recorded podcast and you might be listening at some future date and assume this announcement doesn't pertain to you. So I just wanted to tell you, go to the website, see where we are. We have some big plans going on with the Year of Joy program. So wherever you happen to be listening, you know, whatever time that is, chances are you're good. So go check that out. All right. So one of the things that we've been talking about as we wind down this calendar year and take stock of where we are is this topic of life purpose, how to lock in on what you're truly here to do, what lights you up, what makes you come alive, and then having the bravery and faith to put more of your energy there so that that's what you grow. That's what takes up more and more space in your day-to-day existence. My guest today is a shining example of a guy who is living his joy, his passion, his creative outlet, in spite of some absolutely undeniably challenging obstacles. Whatever obstacles you feel are in the way of you full out pursuing your passion, you're gonna rethink that after this conversation. I met Dan at a Hay House author's party about a decade ago when we both had new Hay House books out. He'd been introduced at the conference by Wayne Dyer and Dan had played his drums on the stage and his energy was so infectious. I couldn't help just jumping up and dancing to this beautiful music. And Wayne saw me and later he gave me a copy of Dan's book, which I devoured that night at the conference in my hotel room. You guys know how I've talked a lot about the energy field that we all emit and how you can feel a person's energy. 
This is what it's like being around Dan. He just has this beautiful sunshine light about him that you can feel a mile away. I'll read you his bio quick. Dan Carroll was born and raised in southeastern Louisiana, grew up amidst the New Orleans music culture, despite suffering a childhood fire injury that robbed him of his hands and fingers. He became a professional drummer, author, and keynote speaker. Dan has inspired and continues to inspire many by sharing his music, inspirational stories, and real-life examples of overcoming unimaginable challenges. Dan, I'm so happy you're able to play with me today. Welcome, darling friend. I appreciate you, Lisa. Thank you so much for that introduction, and it was a joy to finally have the opportunity to be here with you. Ah, thank you. Thank you. So here on this podcast, we talk a lot about how life is nothing but your perception of life. Every one of us all day long is just swimming through a sea of perception and our minds, our brains are where we assign meaning and stories to the events in our lives. And most people do not realize that that's something within our control, that the stories we make up about any situation, even when it seems like there's only one logical, real conclusion to be drawn, it's something we're at choice with. And you, my beautiful friend, have a lot of insight to share on this topic. So I want to know what you do to reframe challenging situations, how you take control of the story, to tell yourself the best possible story so that that's what becomes your reality. Because you are a master at this. You're a professional musician, a dream career that millions of people would die for but didn't have the guts to pursue under the best of circumstances which hardly describes your circumstances, my dear. So that's what I most want to learn from you today, but you can back it up if you like and start wherever wherever's comfortable for you. That's great. I, it's a great question. It's a, it's a, it's a, it is the question. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a big one. Um, not so simple for a lot of folks. Uh, not so simple to understand, but it is your choice. I mean, it is your ability to to create your own story uh, in spite of what's happening or public perception. It's so it doesn't matter what other folks think of you. I don't, you know, personally, I don't validate my life by anyone's opinions or anyone's perspective, you know? Um, and perhaps we'll talk about, you know, how that came to be a little bit more in detail, but um, a lot of, a lot of folks that I've encountered in my journey, um, they really need the approval of other people in order to function in daily life and in order to feel some value, some, some form of self-worth. And, um, if they don't get that, you know, every day is like climbing a Mount Everest for them. And it's just, it's, it, and to me, that never, that never was a factor for me. Um, I was burned when I was two years old in a garage fire and, uh, you know, life was pretty complicated uh, the whole time. So I'm 42 now, so that was 40 years of my life has been, you know, climbing, climbing my Mount Everest. But it had nothing to do with image. It had nothing to do with, you know, the way people perceived me. My, my, my issues are more practical and physical. I mean, I don't have hands and fingers. So dealing with life's um, routines are my struggles and my challenge. And 
there are so many of those basic life things that we deal with. I didn't have time to worry about how other people perceived me. So as a kid, you know, that never really factored into my equation. You know, how did my peers see me? I mean, I, I, I'm not ignorant I, and I'm not closed off to the idea that people do look at me differently, but I was so worried about other things and, and just fitting in, you know, and being normal, quote, um, the ability to tie shoes, the ability to button a shirt or comb my hair, that it, none of that played in. Uh, the kids uh, called me monster, and I, I kind of find it felt uh, found it humorous. Um, and I took advantage of the situation for entertainment, and I would scare the hell out of them. And I would think if they were afraid of me already. Well, I'm going to play on their fears even harder, and you know, entertain myself in the process. And I mean, you know, it is what it is. It's not necessarily a, an accepted practice, but <laughs> it worked for me when I was a kid. You know, and it helped get me through some pretty some pretty interesting situations. But really, at the core of it all, you know, I was focused on. <clears throat> I had two older brothers at the time. I was focusing on being an equal to them. You know, being able to compete in the arenas that they competed in. And that was it. That's all I cared about. And, and that came from my own perception of who I am and nobody else, you know. So I guess in, as a basic kind of basic introductory answer to that, that's what I have to offer. Yeah, we, we've talked on this podcast about how the gift of grief, you know, whether you lose someone or with all the COVID things like lose a, a job, an identity, whatever, is that it tends to put everything else in perspective. All those little annoyances that were driving you crazy and making you so frustrated when something really big happens in your life, it puts all that in perspective. And I feel like that's kind of what you're saying is that you always had such a monumental thing there that you were having to deal with that you didn't have time for the trivial challenges that trip up so many people who don't have that sort of a, an obstacle in their lives. The Gift of Fire is the name of your book. So this is, I guess, part of the, the gift that you've identified in your challenges. Exactly. You know, um, the gift is that I didn't, you know, like you said, the trivial things that a lot of people I uh, worry on and dwell in, you know, to me, that's not a gift at all. I mean, that's a curse to have so much time to think about the nonsensical things in our world, things that have no value in the long term or even in the short term. I mean, that's that's anti-gift, you know. So me having these challenges, like these practical real-life scenario challenges about, man, I, I, you know, my lips don't close, you know, without great effort. How am I going to handle that? You know, my nose was burned off when I was a kid, so my breathing is a, a challenge. So, and this doesn't get easier, by the way. You know, 40, 40 years later, that's not easier. I'm just familiar with it, you see? So, so the gift is I didn't have time to worry about all that nonsense. And I, and I relished in that idea because it's such a simple concept. You know, it's really simple to under, to get your head around that. As long as you cut away all that excess nonsense, you know, life is can be pretty simple. It should be pretty simple. Yeah, you've got your challenges. There are disease and, and unforeseen circumstances and automobile accidents. And those are unfortunate realities. But so long as you're just walking through at a so-called normal pace, shouldn't be difficult at all. 
But it that. is for so many people, right? And why? Yeah. Well, so you know, stories you know, we make up in our heads. Yeah, it's just made up. It's uh, self-inflicted in, worry and unne unnecessary pain and torture that we that we use for ourselves. Um, and uh, I never, I never really participated in that. You know, that's that that was that was presented to me by a lot of outside uh, sources, and and I was given the opportunity many times to dwell in the, in, in those feelings and of self-doubt and 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 in like situations but and i did for about a millisecond and then i realized how foolish that was and then decided you know what they're in the trash i've got better things to do live life yeah that's beautiful you and i both love to share teachings of our mutual late friend dr wayne dyer and one of his most well-known, often quoted principles and the title of one of his books is you'll see it when you believe it, turning that more common phrase, I'll believe it when I see it on its head. How have you seen that principle play out in your life? Because I have a feeling you really know how to work with this uh, dynamic. I'll see it when I believe it. I'm going to confess, I haven't actually read that dire book and uh it, it's been on my show for a long time but haven't actually read it but I, I love the phrase and i i love how he flipped that um you you mentioned that i was a musician yeah. um um yeah that's that plays into this this scenario pretty well because when you're 12 years old and you go to your parents and you ask them can I get a drum set and you don't have hands and fingers? Um, that's a pretty interesting scenario that you put them in. And, and I'm not a parent personally, but um, I've talked to my, my parents, my dad in particular about this many times. And he's a musician and my two older brothers are musicians. My dad's parents were both musicians. So it's a musical lineage here. So he knew that perhaps Music was part of our family and our history, but I mean, get real, this dude has no hands and fingers. How can he possibly do this? So somewhere in his brain, he was like, realistically, this isn't gonna happen, but I'm not gonna discourage my son who's trying to figure out life. So let's do it. All right. So we did it and he got me a kit. Well, actually a snare drum first, right? Now I knew from the beginning, this was a reality. This was happening. I knew it. I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to think, oh, well, I got to study this X, Y, Z. I just knew that I was going to be on professional music stages all across the world before I was ever got a drum set. So I definitely believed it, like wholeheartedly. And um, I just needed the apparatus to, 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 to manifest it. And uh, we went to a pawn shop, got the drum, the uh, snare drum and sticks and of course i don't have hands and fingers so how am i going to hold these drumsticks well that's a big challenge didn't matter small detail we're going to fix that it took a long time a lot of pain and suffering went in with it you know because trial and error and glue and super glue and duct tape and all kinds of other nonsense uh but eventually we came up with a method and uh all along you know it's like my dad was just kind of standing in the back watching it happen just allowing this experience to manifest and 
I'm not a told you so kind of cat, but I was like, I told you so. You know, I mean, like, I'm going to do this. You know, we can be in this thing together or I'm going to do it on my own, whether with or without you. So um, the belief was, was always front, you know, front and center for me. Um, the knowing that this was going to happen. And then, of course, you know, I mean, there is a technical side where you have to study and you have to develop your skills. But within one year, one year I was on a stage playing music professionally. And then by the time, and I was at 13 when I started playing gigs. And by the time I was, what, like a, a, a freshman in college, I was working five days a week playing professional gigs. And then, as you know, I ended up withdrawing from school in order to go on the road and do some recording and stuff. So it became a reality for me um, pretty quickly. And it, and you know, some of my friends say you went from zero to hero or zero to a hundred in a matter of minutes. It seems so. So that that was truly a gift, obviously. But the belief was always there. And you know, as long as you're willing to to put your life focus into your belief you know even if you don't make it to your goal you know it's still a worth a, a, a venture worth pursuing and it's a life well lived even if you don't attain that goal you know die trying is a great phrase you know and it's true go after what your heart tells you go after what you're passionate passionate about and don't let anybody tell you no period it seems so simple, but I think that people just need to hear that over and over. Um, we talked about Will Smith recently. He's been been sharing his stories about how he just committed to being the top actor in the world, and at one point, you know, was was considered that exactly. And Jim Carrey has talked about it. It's like there are so many of what you know seem to be these unattainable goals, and they all start when you talk to people with "I just believed it." full on. I refused to allow any doubt into my mind. I feel like that's um, ties into something else that we talk about here a lot at Joy School and by extension on this podcast, which is being able to hear the voice of our inner wisdom, our soul self. We all have this voice, but we also have a lot of these loud, habituated other voices competing for our attention that represent these different beliefs that we've accumulated along the way that are not in support of our greatest good and highest joy and it sounds like you've always been really tuned in to that that voice of your inner wisdom do you have any special tricks or methods you use for sort of like silencing those other voices that are telling you competing messages uh well the easiest way is just to get burned and deal with life on that level you know i mean that's to me it's it's really that black and white you know because that's my reality i don't know another version of life nor will i ever know another version so if you want that simplicity just get burned you know i mean, I mean obviously please don't get burned if you don't have to get burned but um but use your adversity let, let adversity just, be yeah, your teacher. I, I, I'm, I'm getting to something here with, okay as a result of the, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut. No, that, no, that, no, you go, that sounded horrible. I, I really, that's not at all what I meant. I apologize. We're with you. We're with you. Continue. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, you know, we've had periods of quarantine in the last year and a half or whatever, right? So, when I was young on a burn ward, right? Not, and for your listeners out there, 
uh, who are not familiar with burns, uh, the the severity of the 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 the, the burns, uh, the concerns associated with burn treatment um, beyond just life and death in terms of uh, surviving the actual injury, is a long-term thing dealing with infection. The fact that your skin is your number one shield against you know outside bacterial invaders. Um, that's a big deal. I was burned over 80% of my body, third and fourth degree. So I was very vulnerable to, to infection for a very long time. And uh, staph is a major killer. And uh, that was always a, a, an issue for years. And um, I get staph infections. That's a very common thing for me even today. Uh, so I have to be very vigilant of how I navigate life um, as far as getting bumped and stuff. But I, because of the concern of, of infection and being on a pediatric burn ward, um, I was quarantined um, for basically my entire childhood. So every time I would go to a hospital, uh, we lived in Louisiana and the hospital was in Boston, and I would stay there for upwards of a month to two months at a time basically 80 to 90% of that time was in quarantine, in an isolation room. Um, most of the time, my mother, who accompanied me on these trips, wasn't even allowed in the room for, except for very small periods. And she was gowned up head to toe uh, with protective gear. Um, and, you know, there was really no windows to the outside world, except for a very small, uh, very small window, basically, which led to the nurse's station. So I was, as a child growing up in my developmental years, I was alone, you know? So I learned how to meditate without knowing what that actually was. Yeah, as a three-year-old boy, as a four-year-old boy, you know? And I thought about scenarios and I played life scenarios out. I celebrated, you know, holidays and birthdays and just time and time, time, time in isolation. So I had nothing but thoughts. And I could have had these these thoughts that that prohibited me from, from engaging the world, you know, as I got out and older into life. Or I could have had these thoughts that just, you know, contemplating, you know, suicide or any other type of, uh, 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 numbing or I could have had thoughts which I chose the healthiest way which is just to process like in the simplest terms what's right in front of my face and deal with that issue basically one thing at a time one foot in front of the other that's it and I, I made a declaration that this is how I was going to live none of the other stuff made any sense to me it still doesn't make sense to me. And I've traveled all over the place and I've met millions of people, literally probably millions of people, played and spoken to millions of people. And unless you deal with your life as it happens in the here and now, you're just not gonna win. And you're gonna, you're gonna prolong any outcome that you desire. And it might never happen. So just deal with it now. Which is what all the sages and masters and spiritual gurus that we study have been saying since the beginning of time. And 
You figured it out at three <laughs> without probably anyone telling you. This is just something that by necessity you honed in on and have been practicing ever since then. And that's that's what makes you this shining, shining light for all of us that you are. I appreciate you so much, Dan. So every week I give my listeners a practice that they can do. We call it their Joy Bomb Home Play. It could be a mindfulness exercise. Maybe there's something they have to pay attention to or find or notice in their lives that week. It can be an action they take, something they do as a pattern interrupt to break out of those habituated thinking, responding patterns that aren't serving them. I'm wondering if there's any conscious daily practice that you do or any suggestion that you have to help the listeners build their muscles for what you just talked about, for dealing with just what's in front of them in this moment, taking control of the story, taking control of the joy that they're allowing into their lives is basically what you seem to do so effortlessly. Okay, well, um, just just to preface, I, I don't really have strategies, you know, in, in place, right? I, I've told you this uh, off, off the podcast. That's okay. Um, but, but, Finding your 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 passion, whatever you're passionate about, that act that that activity in your life, whether for me it's drumming, I just started baking. Um, that's a new passion that I'm going to work on, and you know, just basically using that as your tool for meditation. You know, when I get on a drum, so I'll play drums for like four or five hours straight, but I'll. I'll watch whatever's on movies and the new Netflix series or whatever, you know, but instead of just sitting in front of the TV, watching this thing without moving, without balancing my physicality with my mind, I'll create a balance where I'll physically engage in something Mm -hmm. that I don't have to think about, right? Something that's so common to me and second nature. So I'll just play the entire time and I'll binge a series an entire series while I'm never getting off the drums, just continuous play. And when I, when you balance what the way I perceive it is, if you balance your mind and your body, you know, then one never takes over the other and there's a constant equilibrium and you're, you're never thrown either direction. You're always stable. It has to be a hundred percent balance though. You just have to figure that out. That's a personal thing that you have to navigate, that you have to interpret in your own way, whatever those things are for you, your listeners. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's different for everyone because your physic, you're, you might not be able to balance a physical side of life. One of my, uh, one of my friends is Steve Gleason. The, uh, uh, I wouldn't really call him. He's a, he's an acquaintance. Of <laughs> Steve Gleason, the, um, former Saints special teams guy um, um, who now has ALS and is one of the main the, the, the figureheads in the ALS uh, research and uh, issue. Um, he's got a program called Team Gleason and it's a miraculous thing that he's thriving with a complete loss of body functionality, but he's still around killing it. I mean, he's he's living life to, his, to the maximum and all he has is the ability to think. So he had to figure out his own version of balance, right? So he doesn't have a body to balance his mind anymore. So, you know, that's why I say I, there isn't a, a, an easy answer for that. So you're going to have to deal with that on your own. 
But get inside and really sit with yourself and get to know yourself. Find out where your limits are and where you're, where where you thrive, and work on those. But do it where you you oppose each other. So so you bring yourself into into an equilibrium. That's interesting. Yeah, it's sort of like finding where your flow, where you get into the zone, and then plus that additional that additional component. I love that. So Dan, tell us about your music, where we can go to listen to you, where people can follow up with you or find you. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Yeah, right now uh, we're still in, in the whatever this period of... COVID life is so so public gigging is limited at this time um I do live in the New Orleans area and gig around the New Orleans area so I'm still kind of spotting here and there um most of the time it's last second I get a gig you know just to sub for someone um so I can't I don't really have a schedule but um under normal circumstances, you can pretty much find me somewhere in New Orleans, you know, every night of the week, um, playing in any of the clubs down yeah. on Frenchman Street or Bourbon Street. Um, in addition to that, you know, to, to make up, to supplement my live gigging, I do some live streams here and there um, on social media platforms, mostly Facebook, um, but not regularly, but just, you know, every occasionally we'll have some live streams. Uh, but, you know, moving in the future, who knows what's going to happen. Uh, I can only hope that we get back into a, uh, a, a more routine gigging schedule where clubs are open again. So if you're coming down to New Orleans, just ask for the burn drummer and I'm the only one around. So uh, <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll find who I am. You'll find me real quick. <laughs> or maybe you find him on uh, Facebook, Dan, D-A-N, Caro, C-A-R-O. And you can hear some of those live streams. Thank you so much, Dan. I can't tell you how much of a pleasure it is to reconnect with you. And big hugs. Big hugs to you, too. Thank you, Lisa, for having me. I appreciate you. So that was the ever cool and enormously inspiring Dan Caro, y'all. We should have mentioned that his book is called Gift of Fire. And it's available from Hay House or Amazon or wherever you buy books. It's a beautiful, beautiful read. So for home play this week, let's keep it real simple. I know this is a busy, busy week for a lot of y'all. I want you to look around your life. What is that one thing for you? See if you can identify it. What's that activity you do where you lose all track of time, where you feel deeply at home and lit up? And then once you identify this thing, identify one action step you could take that would ensure you get more of this passion. Maybe you need to go open up that shiny new year calendar and mark it up with appointments 
make appointments with you time that you deliberately block off for cultivating and growing this thing that brings you so much joy and then keep those appointments what kind of message are you sending your subconscious when you honor appointments you make with others but easily cancel on yourself once you've made those appointments you need to give them the same respect and commitment you'd give to any other event on your calendar let me know how it goes. I always love hearing from you. I'm wishing you every good thing in this coming year, and I'm so honored to be traveling this continuing path with you. Much love. Joy comes in many flavors, but they all start with you being full-on glorious you. If you'd like some personal love and support along your joy journey, Find me at lisamccourt.com. And as you do your joy this week, remember that you elevating your vibration elevates the vibration of everyone around you and ultimately elevates the vibration of all humanity. Thank you for being a valued member of the team that's bringing more love and joy into the world. We need you. See you next week for Do Joy, the Vibration Elevation Podcast. Much love. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us, and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.